And welcome to episode 91. I am Gonzo, and welcome to another day, another time, and everything with us. We are going to be talking about some pretty interesting stuff. Um, hopefully it'll all show up, and everybody's coming back, because it's kind of coming in kind of weird on my end. I can see Kathy coming in. She's got like seven bottles of alcohol with her, and I'm sure John's bringing in a keg. <laughs> Um, I, I, Kathy, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and switch this. (laughs) Hey, Cosmic Cubable. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and switch straight to, uh, the paint cam because I'm going to be showing a few things on air, um, before we do, while we're doing this, because I actually want to show some of the book. Uh, so I'm just going to switch onto that cam. That way we don't have to do it later. Kathy, I did, I do need to ask you a question before we get started, uh, since John's kind of getting ready and finishing up. Um, what do you use to put on your base with the, uh, terrain rollers to make, you know, the textured bases? Do you just go green stuff, gray stuff, whatever it is? Uh, never use green stuff actually, because I find it just gets stuck in all the tiny little crevices mm-hmm. and that sucks. And if you oil it up, well, now you've got this residue and so we use Sculpey Firm. Okay. I was wondering so if that was if you the other thing. It, it's specifically the firm Sculpey, which uh-huh. is gray. Well, I want to take... Um, I did a 3D print of uh, a s- cracked earth um, roller. Mm-hmm. And I think for my um, Malifaux, I want to try it out and do that. Just do a cracked earth and kind of in the cracks kind of do like a... You know, like a green glow coming out of it type thing. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And do that. So I was if I didn't know if you use Sculpty or if you or Sculpty or if you use um uh green stuff. I heard people using both. Yeah. But I figured you, uh, you and you can't skimp with the Sculpey because the regular classic Sculpey, which is white, is less expensive. But it, it's it is a different consistency than firm Sculpey. So if you get just the classic white Sculpey, you'll be disappointed because okay. it's it's really soft and mushy before you bake it, and it gets stuck in the crevices too. All right. Well, I mean, I tried out. I've been doing because you know I can resize the rollers. I don't know if you can see it on the on the screen. It'll be kind of delayed for you. But I did like one real tiny one just to kind of play with it. Oh, and, neat! And it wasn't um, the stuff on the edge wasn't long enough so it was like very very small crevices and then i printed out one that was long or wider so it was a much deeper groove and i did some blue tack with it just to see how it would look if i rolled it over uh-huh. uh and it, i liked of course the bigger one was there but i thought this was kind of interesting because i can because this one actually is the size of a paint roller um you know the big old long paint rollers and stuff that you yeah. have yeah. Um, because someone had made it so you could make a paint roller so you could do it on a tabletop so you could tabletop your terrain um and do stuff like that and i was like that's an interesting idea for an entire tabletop it just occurred to me how cool it would be to have a a texture roller where the texture is inverted but the roller would have to be really wide and all of the parts would have to be really deep but to roll it over to push down on uh, pink foam and to indent the oh, to indent yeah. the texture into pink foam versus yep. like the opposite way of 
that people normally do stuff. Because I always used to just take a like a butter knife or something and press brick textures into pink foam yep. to make like blood bowl pitches and stuff. How big? How big would you need it? Like lengthwise. Honestly, I don't even know because I only just thought of it just now. <laughs> Think about it, figure out, and I will see what I can do for you. I just thought that might be a really interesting thing for people. If you're talking like terrain on a bigger scale where you're just, you know, using a board of pink foam or something. Yeah, something you kind of press down on or roll, you know, really big. But I, I wanted to try that, so it would be kind of interesting to do. Um, so let's get started uh, with the episode. Sorry, we'll do a little bit of pre-ramble to that uh Start of the episode. Uh, today on the episode, our episode in the pre-ramble anyway. So. <laughs> the hobby is relevant no matter what. Yeah. God damn right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are going to be talking about two. I'm going to be talking about two different RPGs uh, and questions you may have regarding it. Um, but I also I picked up a box of Riot Quest. Show you the models from that, and uh, it actually kind of is part of our pre-ramble about fiddly bits. Um, so we'll we'll get to see that. Um, cause we're going to be doing some riot quest stuff at the store, which I think is great because it kind of reminds me of our pre-ramble talk about getting back kind of to small played games and just playing games and, and, and the sake of playing games is what I want to go about. Um, but before that, we got to thank all of our sponsors. Uh, we thank Tectonic Crush Studios. Um, we will have some giveaways from him coming up shortly. Um, go see Dan at Nova Open. Yes, he will be at Nova Open. If you're going, go say hi to Dan. Parky Dan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go say hi to him. Give him a big hug. Tell him you heard about us on the podcast. And you're like, hey, I heard you sponsor them. You know, you're really cool. Thanks. And smell as wood. Yes. Smell and buy terrain. <laughs> <laughs> I made it through the entire talk about rollers and not long enough for Kathy. I have to say <laughs> now. What? Yeah, it's it just about as bad as me doing three duties a day. <laughs> Um, well, I also want to think. You still leave at three o'clock. I mean, shit. I take first duty all the time. <laughs> Honestly, we're not actually twelve. <laughs> right now, we're acting I, like it. Um, also, want to thank uh, Muse on Minis for hosting us and uh, being on the network, uh, guys. We are also now on pretty much every platform. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play. Almost every single outlet out there. If you uh, find an outlet we're not on, do not tell Gonzo because he would then go find <laughs> us on it. If he spends enough time on this, you do not need him to do more. <laughs> I have. I think this last week I put us on seven more networks. <laughs> Good lord. So, um, and then also our our last our last uh, sponsor, Mechanica Studios. Um, Chris is making some really cool stuff. Uh, we will be giving away one of his trades. We will start that up Monday. Uh, it will be something you have to follow on our Facebook page. Captain Mizzy, be nice to Council. Council does so much work. You should totally not do something, Captain Mizzy. <laughs> I'm not sure what. Um, but uh, other than that, guys, we, we really, really like doing this. It's been a lot of fun. We are coming up on our two-year anniversary next week. Um, which is kind of weird for me to say two years of doing this, um, with some of the coolest it's not weird for me to say. Well, it is kind of weird for me to say, but it also is kind of, you know, awesome to say that I've got two awesome people that do it with me. 
Um, and it's amazing that y'all come on here and hang out with me and we hang we out with everybody. For the end, after we drink several, we're drinking so we can just cheers at the end of that, man. It was beautiful. Yeah. But it's it's really awesome. Um, we do have one shout out today that I know of. Um, um, there's at least two. There was a big animator who died. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. I am yep. sorry. He is. He was he a big animator. For Roger Rabbit, wasn't he? Yes, so you know yeah. for Roger Rabbit. Um, and then also uh, Peter Fonda. Yep. Peter Fonda passed away. The oh, Easy Rider. Confused with Henry Fonda. And then had to remember, oh yeah, Easy Rider, not uh, everything else in the universe. Um, but uh want to shout out to them. Um, we also want to make a shout out to all of our listeners. Guys, y'all make this possible. This is awesome that we get to do this. Y'all get to hang out with us. If you ever want to hang out with us, let us know. Send us a message. I'm sure, you know, John or Kathy wouldn't mind having a day off and you can come out and hang out with us. I mean, that's what Jackie does. Jackie's just like, hey, can I come out? No, Jackie, you automatically are always welcome on our show. Um, so if you uh, you want to come and hang out, especially if you have a topic you want to talk about, the 100%, if you got something you want to talk about and you don't want to bring up, let us know. We'll have you come on here. We'll come and chit-chat. We ain't got a problem with it. Um, so, Kathy, what you drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking rum and diet, and it's the Sailor Jerry spiced rum, and not feeling it. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't tried it before. I'm going to blame the diet. I, I, no, because I've had diet and rum. I always have diet and rum. Yeah. It, you know, what can I say? Diet sounds like quite a talk. I, I, I don't need... Uh, all the extra sugar, but yeah, I wasn't wasn't I impressed. All the the, sugar. Uh, was not impressed with the uh, Sailor Jerry spiced uh, rum, especially after last week drinking the uh, the bamboo. Oh, the bamboo, yeah. Rum with the the that sort of butterscotchy smooth. This just sweet flavor. In a lot of cases, you're really the quality of your alcohol shines through. It's it's crazy. All right, so that's a that's a negative on uh, Sailor Jerry rum. That's uh, a negative. Giving it the thumbs down. John, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have uh, a different rum. Uh, the patron saint of my other podcast, uh, uh, the Kraken rum, mixed with uh, Bark Shrimp beer. Now that I probably could try. Was uh, it's good? I tell you, it is good. Um, I am actually slumming it tonight with water. <laughs> Uh, I have been sweating my balls off these last, like, three days. And I don't even want to know. <laughs> I need a lot of water. So, to all y'all, thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming on. Cheers. Cheers. Sancha. Oh, that one's aggressive. Also, oh. I have some steaming hot tea. Mm. Steaming Steaming hot tea. <laughs> yes. Um, I did want to say that uh, Xander said that he didn't have a camera, so he couldn't do it. You don't have to have a camera. If you want to come on and you just want to be a voice person, you can be a voice person. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's just Skype, you know. All we need is your voice. Um, I was gonna go, let's go through this real quick. I did pick up uh, Riot Quest, and uh, it did come with five models. 
which of course are used with the game and with okay. um, uh, War Machine and Hordes, so you can play them. You know, also there. Um, so these are these are riot quests that we're looking at right now. Yeah, these are the riot quest models that you can look for. Um, that you can play both in Riot Quest and in War Machine and Hordes. They are solos. Um, I kind of actually want to send all these to you, Kathy, and have you paint them up because there's like the little goblin gubbins. The goblin yeah, gubbins. He is really, really cool. He's like one of my favorite miniatures out of this. I but, mean, if it's called a gubbin, I feel like I need to paint it. Yeah, but I'd have to send you the whole set. I mean, that's just the whole thing. It's just kind of how it is. Um, but... Um, this I thought was interesting. There, there's one resin piece out of the whole thing, and the rest is metal. Um, That's more common with kits nowadays is they just have a handful of resin pieces, which it, I, with the way those pieces are, I'm surprised there's not more. It's really, really odd. Yeah. Um, the only one I say, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of piecing them out for you so you can see what goes to what. Um, and for the most part, everything is pretty simple this ponytail is probably going to be have a problem and it goes on the dwarf but it's actually got a decent hole for it to go in um, you don't often hear that about a dwarf yeah. the ponytail uh, i thought you were gonna say decent hole for it to go in <laughs> um is that there, a rocket launcher it is a yeah. rocket launcher uh okay so des rocket launcher and it's actually pegged it's got a peg it's not just a round hole so you know the the position. Not that you couldn't change it if you didn't want to, but it would definitely you know makes it easier for gluing. Ooh, that's a big hole to drill out. Um, that's what she said. No, <laughs> she didn't say that. I take it all back. Uh, but Des is Des is not uh, not a bad model. Uh, pretty decent. Uh, all metal. Um, Fits together pretty decently. Um, probably just got to gut it a little bit just to make sure it fits kind of flat in, in everything. But I would pretty be good pinning one. that as well. Uh, you're probably going to have to pin all of them just because they're metal and there's small connection points. I'm going to show I, you one. Like it's going to be a pain. Um, okay, so I got Boom Fist. Um, I guess that's what his name is. I can't remember. Um... Pretty easy. This one you probably wouldn't even have to pin um, because he's got, a really deep so he's got a really deep socket. Um, and then the hair piece would be a pain in the butt also. He has a hair piece? Well, the ponytail on top of his head. Um, Lord Lightning Rod. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't remember his name. <laughs> John's like, Deep right? Um, crimson. That was crimson, not me. That crimson was giggling. <laughs> I would never. Um, I, I do have a complaint about this model, and it's and it's kind of a stupid one. For the most part, this model's pretty cool. It's got like a little jetpack and everything. Wouldn't be a problem. Um, he's the only, he's one of the person one of the people that has a resin piece. Um, fits in pretty solid. You've got it. There's some flash that you got to take care of over here and on the bottom of the shield. Uh, not that big of a deal. I don't like the legs of this model. This model Andrew is... says, as a Signar player, he doesn't like him. Like, on principle, I guess. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I don't... Let me turn this down a little bit. It seems like it's a little too bright. 
But, Is there any way you can hold it closer up to the camera so yeah. you can get a better glimpse? I'm trying to... Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess, like, seem okay from that, but I need to see him in, in person. And, yeah, and... it just looks very skinny. Like, this is yeah. armor plating, and, like, this person's legs must be, like... It looks scale for the rest of them. Yeah, it just is, it looks off a bit. Um, like, if you were a robot, you'd be like, okay, cool, he's a robot, he's got weird... Yeah, but, I mean, it's it, it, the legs just seem off. Uh, but everything is else is okay. Is he going to 40? Um, I believe so. I believe him and Dez are the 40s. Interesting. And everybody else. I, I have no clue. I haven't paid attention to it. Um... But yeah, the Storm Knight models are all beefier. I'm guessing he's... No, he's probably going to be on the 40. Yeah, he's he going to be on the 40. He just looks differently scaled than the rest of them. It's just yeah, it's like legs. Because, uh, I mean, Dez... Just... You know, compared to Dez... What's his, what's his deal, though? What's his backstory kind of thing? Just a Storm Knight type thing that uses electricity. For, for some reason, Des just looks... She's female, so it looks right. Yeah. It, it Their scale's pretty similar. She It just doesn't look as off on her. Probably because yeah. the little loincloth thing uh, deceives your eyes a little bit. Yeah. Just the, the plating just seems like a little off on there. Um, and then we got Gubbins, which is the Gabo that uses uh, dynamite. Of course. Yes. Um, and this one, you would definitely need to pin the head, because it fits, it's very fiddly, and it fits kind of weird. Oh, Crimson has a serious question. Yeah, as soon as you're done okay. doing the models, Gonzo, we'll hit you with that one. It's a good one. Um, and then his really, 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 really fiddly bits. Uh, I'm going to try to do it. See this little, small little peg that's about, you know, super tiny, and then this small little hole for him to fit in? Are you saying he's got a tiny fist? He's got a he, he's got a decent sized fist. He's got tiny arms. So it's just kind of a it 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 it'd be a, I can see losing that quite often. Yeah, I, I think that model could have been made a little better. Yeah, uh, and then um, the uh, Eris three. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't know what her actual name is in that thing. She is very much. Very tiny arms, very thin arms, and people are losing these a lot. Um, yeah, that's what it is. I don't care too much for her crossbows. I don't like this top part of the crossbows. It just kind of looks uh, weird. It doesn't look very crossbowy anymore. They've gotten very far afield from uh, crossbow. Yeah, but I mean, these are definitely. Is that supposed to be a, a knife crossbow? Yeah, it's got a it's got a blade it's on the end. Doesn't your crossbow? Yeah, it doesn't. It's like the, have a blade on the, the, the knife hammer from Santa Clarita Diet, where he just duct tapes a, a knife to a, the head of a hammer. Yeah, but I mean that I, mean, I can see these much more fighty breaking off. There's some pretty fiddly bits on there that you know, since it's metal, it's not going to do very well to you know hold together. So definitely well, going to be some pinning. Uh, what was Crimson's question, by the way? All right. This is a serious question. With metal and resin models and what is essentially a board game, do you think Brian uh, Quest is going to have issues neither fish nor foul? Like, as soon as asking board gamers who aren't used to assembling miniatures to pinning little metal models is a big ask. I think you can get away with it with well-injured sprue plastic, but metal is a bit much. And I think he's absolutely spot on. 
those models are way too fucking complex for a board game. Uh, I, I agree with you for that, but I mean, the thing is, is they don't do plastic anymore. Everything's either resin or metal, and I'm guessing metal is uh, easier to do right now. That's the reason why everything's in metal. Um, but they are used also with War Machine and Hordes, so they are double, they're double functionings. So, I would say, uh, not to, to throw any shade at anyone, but I think that is a design mistake on their part. They're trying to make a game to appeal to two people rather than trying to make a game to appeal to one and then just back-end have functionality. Example, uh, it's always to be compared to Warhammer Underworlds, because that's the closest thing mm -hmm. to it. And Warhammer Underworlds is a game, and then they just sort of made rules for use those models in Age of Sigmar. I don't think any of them are game-breaking or super amazing or anything like that. They're all small units in a game where big units are king. But they just sort of backdoored them in. Like, oh, if you want to use them, here's double functionality. We're all like, yay, double functionality. But this, I think they would have better served by making just good models for the board game and then making them work in the bigger game. If you want to, just make cardboard cutouts for the game and then go, oh, here's the cool add-on pack with the models. Yeah. Well, I mean... Like, guys will just buy the add-on pack. I uh, was looking at these models to use in War Machine and Hordes as part of whatever, you know, my... Because I play Kador and Grimkin, and I tried to figure out if I would use them, and really, I wouldn't. Um, because, you know, theme lists, or they just don't fit. Um, but they're not bad. They're actually some really cool... They got some really cool abilities. But as the board game, yeah. They're pretty cool. So it, it'll be interesting to see if those models actually move to War Machine and Horde. You know what I'm saying? So I I think, and I, and I, and I think it's, I mean, I think RadQuest is eventually going to not blow up like they want because rather than focus on the board game, they focused on War Machine, and then the board game is sort of like a tack-on. It's just an incidental um, thing. I think, they, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's actually, I think it's actually backward in my opinion. I think they put them in the board game, and they were like, well, people are going to go, well, why can't we play them in War Machine and Hordes? And I'm like, well, you can. We may, we've got rules for you to play them in War Machine and Hordes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, it's the exact same way as Warmer Underworlds. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to stop just short of saying they stole the idea, because <laughs> it's just, it's a good idea for, if you make a board game in your universe, you should have the models available in the, in the universe game. That's been happening for forever. Yeah. But, I mean... It, I think they're not doing the board game justice. Yeah, I mean, if they're trying to market it as a board game, that's yeah. not going to appeal to the people who play board games but don't play tabletop war games. Because, And it's just like a friend of mine who is a super veteran gamer who plays RPGs and he plays board games and he plays card games only. He doesn't play tabletop war games and... His task right now is to put together like a hundred orcs, and he is has absolutely no idea. And they're just plastic, and yeah. they're they're simple and they're plastic. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, <laughs> you look at the successful board games. You have either single piece or snap fit or easy put together models. Yeah. And uh, Xander hits on the head. Said so the models are going to end up like the Company of Iron models, where you're just getting them for War Machine hordes. Yeah. And the Company of Iron models being the rustic, even though it's not as good of a material. It's plenty good for a board game. Yeah. And they go together easier, like boom, boom, done. Easy glue. People would actually use those models. Just make some pre-molded bases, 
suddenly you have models that are good, and the people who want to play on the machine of boards will go the extra mile. Yeah. Encourage your customers to go the extra mile and get some bases and make them fit their armies. They'll still be cross-compatible. You can let them go that extra mile. You would, Like, GW does that. Like, hey, you know, we make all this stuff. We know you're going to convert some of it. Go to town. It would be interesting. I mean, it, it just hit the market. So everybody's just picking up. I know quite a few people. I know we sold our local store like 10 starters, which is good for us because we're a small you know area. But there's quite a few people. This next Thursday, we're doing an all Riot Quest day at the game store. Um, and so we're going to be testing it out and see what it's like and going for it. I mean, from what I've seen, it's fun. It's silly fun, too. It's not to be. It's not meant to be taken serious. It's meant. I mean, even the artwork, the cards, the abilities, everything in the game is meant to be silly fun uh, well, type so thing. That's sort of another. I don't want to say it's an issue, but it's another interesting uh, design choice. Yes. Because as a board game, board games are by definition much easier to be competitive than a miniatures game because there's no. Less inaccuracies in them. Yeah. There's not that inherent inaccuracy of using models because you have squares or hexes or grids or whatever the fuck you're using. It, it, and, yeah, the grids. You know, they sort of like they went the opposite of GW. GW marketed the Underworld as that's their competitive thing. Yeah. And it does well in that. It's got all the right little bits and bobs to be competitive. And then... This just seems like, oh, this is our casual thing. Like, But it'd be so much easier to have it other way. Why don't you just do everything? The game does not have to be inherently casual or inherently competitive. It can be both if you encourage it the right way. It, it, like I said, like I said, it's just started out, so it'll be worthwhile to see if it builds and goes up and does better than the Company of Iron. Um, I really want to see it do better There's than that. One problem with Company of Iron. Only one problem. That problem is Privateer Press. They did not support that game no. at all. It's a hundred percent their problem. Yeah. And I feel bad because they had a winner on their hands. Yeah. They should have been ready, but there's just so much crazy stuff. I mean, they've lost a ton of the people in, in the past year. We know that. That's not even their fault. No, but that was none, none of this is their fault. They just they're getting stuck and it's just they're in this perfect storm of it just seems like everything's going against them. You know, I feel bad for them because it's like they're doing all this good stuff. Company of Iron, great. Uh, they're doing all this stuff, and then it's just like everything seems to go in the wrong. Everything seems to be going, but, you know, people chasing splashes in a, uh, you know, you know, in a naval boat. They're chasing splashes to not get hit. They're doing sort of the opposite where they're like, oh, let's go this way, and they're just driving into where the next ship hitting. Yeah, it, well, it's. I think part of the problem is that there are certain areas where they are less willing to adapt than in other areas. Well, their agility is terrible. Their their corporate agility is just awful. And and to survive, you have to be able to adapt with every changing thing. I like to say that they're literally they took the Games Workshop early two thousands playbook and they're running it play by play. <laughs> That's what well, Jim was saying about be, Warlord the other day. That, that, well, all those guys are early GW guys. Like so, the, the higher ups there is all GW guys. So I mean, they're they're all making the same mistakes. Which is, I mean, if you don't understand history and what's going on, 
you're doomed to repeat it. And that is sort of what's happened in both these cases. But I think Gonzo wants to go and talk about The Expanse. Right? Yeah, because we, we could go I on forever. I would love to talk about The Expanse role-playing game. That looks awesome. Okay, because so, we, we, we've talked about this subject plenty of times. We hope Rabbiteer Press does really good with this product. Absolutely. We hope it right. comes in. We're, we're not we're not dogging them. We want them to have a good yeah. start with this. And we, we're fingers crossed that Riot Quest takes off. Yes, Absolutely. Um, okay, so I picked up the Expanse role-playing game. I didn't know if it came out or not. I just saw that it was at Gen Con, and I called my friend Max and said, Hey, Max, pick this up for me. And he was like, Anything else? So I had him pick up some other stuff. Um, so I picked <laughs> up the had uh, the Expanse role-playing game picked up. It is the Green Ronin, and it uses the 3D6 method. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what the 3D6 method is... Hold on a second. Hold on. Hmm. You roll two dice the same color and a third dice the second color, um, or as long as you label one dice as your you know your third d6, um, you use it. Um, the system is actually fairly easy, but I'm going to go over this kind of quick and everything. Um, this is actually, and if you read the books, this will make more sense. I didn't read the books; I've only watched the TV show, mm-hmm. so I can't I can't say anything about it. I don't remember, so forgive me on that. Um, it is between the, you technically play between the first and second novel, um, is where the time period is. Doesn't mean you can't change it or do something different. That's just where they have it set for this. I assume that's before all the really crazy shit happens. I'm guessing so. Um, but it is between Leviathan Wakes and Caliban's War. I think Uh, Caliban's War is when, uh, the, uh, or it goes to Venus and then everything goes absolutely nuts and war happens. I have a feeling that's where it is. But while you're talking about it, I will find out for sure. Yeah, fi- find out where it is <laughs> within the show while we're talking about this. Uh, this game is pretty... The, the dice system is pretty simple. You roll 3d6. One of the dice have to be a separate color. And the reason why it has to be a separate color is because it, it's used for something else. Test results, you roll a 3d6. Add your ability score... If it meets or beats, depending on what it is, you succeed. That's it. Pretty simple for the most part. 3D6 uh, is actually the, the most optimal way of well, rolling the dice. The thing is, is you only count two of the dice, from what I can tell. Um, or the, the third D6 uh, helps you with what's going to come up. Let me, let me go, go through this. Your scores start from negative two to four. Zero is like, I think they said one is average. So, you know, being weak in other things because, you know, you're skinny or whatever. So on and so forth. Um, you you make tests by rolling the 3d6. Add the ability score. If you have any focuses, you know, whatever. And you beat it, you get your success. The third dice, that's the drama die. Um, it has many, many uses in this game. It's for stunt points. It's for... Doing things crazy, it's to see how well you pass the test. Because you could pass it, but not pass it so well that you don't get all the information, I guess is what it says. So if you're hacking, you only hack one door. Or if you're, say you're digging for information on Venus, you only find the basic information. But if you roll high on your drama die or other thing else, you can get more type of information. So to give you an idea of the backstory, it's basically just after the Eros incident... Where Eros goes to Venus, but before everything happens uh, with uh, finding the guy's daughter and all that, so it's sort of that thing before, before the actual war, before uh, 
I think, sort of between the end of season two and season three, or in that area. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. TV show. All tests either are done by opposing role or difficulty numbers stated by the storyteller. Um, they do have different timekeepings within the game, which I think is great. There is your whatever action that is happening right now is how long it's going to happen, a.k.a. combat. Um, that is actually real world time. And then you have uh, interludes, like travel times. Where, you know, you could be doing other things during the travel time. Um, and We're they, going from this city to this city. Roll on the random monster table. <laughs> Not really. But um, the, you've got eight basic stats. Uh, excuse me, nine basic stats uh, that are all used for different things. Uh, you can determine them how you want them in any different way. There's not a set way. Um, and like I said, all of this is what's in the book. You're allowed to make and change whatever you want. It is your damn game. Um, but you can randomly generate your character from everything. Uh, randomly generate your stats, your abilities, uh, your origin. Uh, because depending on where you grew up depends on how... Um, Gravity is going to affect you in the game too. Yeah, yeah. Because that was a that was something that was seen in the show. Um, your uh, your social status, uh, all different things you get back from the social status, and there's like a ton of charts for cool stuff. Uh, and your professions, you can randomly roll your profession um, type thing. If you wanted to have an entirely random character, you can do it. I've played Traveler. That's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> but for some people... What? That's fun! For some you, people it is. Have you played not. Traveler for the first Traveler? I have not played it in like 30 years. Yeah, we played it. I bought a set from, from a guy secondhand. It was cool. And then the first character we made died before we got to play it. We're like, what the hell is going on? Um... The thing that there, there's a, one of the steps is your drive. Uh, and your drive is something that's going to be your what you have to do, but it also a downfall. So, you know, uh, one of the things is caregiver. Your compassion, but you have your downfall is you self-sacrifice yourself a lot. So... That's cool. It, it's a pretty cool concept. Uh, money is done a little bit different in this. You have your starting income. And if it's something that is outside of your income range, you have to make a roll to see if you can afford it. So you don't have to count your pennies. Oh, how many it's, dollars did I spend to buy this? It's like the old uh, phase rep Mar Marvel system. Yeah. Much the same for that. So, and so you can see if it depletes your income or not. Um, mm. All your other stats are derived, like your defense is part of your deck score, your speed, so on and so forth. Um, the One of the things that I thought was really interesting, uh, leveling up is not done by experience points. It's not done by... You know, accomplishing goals, it's actually determined by the GM. If you do something that warrants leveling up. Uh, they give an example of you complete a story. Yeah, that's a time to level up. Um, type thing. Um, so I don't like that because I think there should be... Because the GM can always say it's time to level up. Yeah. But there should always be a set, guaranteed, this is when you level up sort of thing. Well, the, okay, yeah, so, yeah. here's what they say for, the, there is no levels per se, um, like you get experience points. They say after a major achievement in the game, such as the end of adventure or a plot arc, uh, but achievement can happen during a game session, 
Especially if there's a lot of in-game downtime, too. Okay. I mean, so, I mean... The better, GM, better than that, but... Yeah. It's always weird. It, it is. very much the, the DM's... Prerogative. You know, ...discretion, I mean, and that sometimes... Everything is. Sometimes the DM <laughs> can be a bit of a dick. Hopefully yeah. not. But, That's yeah. A more structured idea, so the DM go, like, I'm not letting you do it this time because I have a plan. I like it's one where... You have points, but the DM actually awards you for for doing stuff that's you know appropriate. Out, you know, outside of or goes the a little bit extra. I used to award you know, people, you know bonuses to their skills based on what they actually did in the game. It's so not like, oh, I want to be good at this thing now. Like that thing you never done. No, you can't be good at that. But you got better. Yeah. You did like twelve times during the session. Yeah, um, the thing you inadvertently try because otherwise you would have died. Um, the talents, which are your skills or anything else like contacts, doctor, so on and so forth. You have a novice, expert, and master. And, of course, each different level gives you a different bonus uh, type thing. Uh, and there's plenty of those. You can specialize in certain things. Master carousing, huh? That should be interesting. <laughs> um, so you can get better like a gunfighter talent. You do have to have requirements like the gunfighter talent. You must have a dexterity 2 and an accuracy of 2 or higher. Uh, and then you get bonuses as you get up in it. Oh, yeah. Um, equipment. Um, equipment does break in this game, and they suggest using it because it's part of the story um, <laughs> of finding new gear, getting new gear, stuff like that, or, you know, rebuying stuff. Because uh, some gear some gear has flaws, and some have you want to buy this one because it's better. Um <laughs> GM standpoint, playing a game that is very rules light right now, I actually don't like making gear break. It should only break at a dramatic point for the game. Yeah, well, I mean, like some other things, like if it's uh, an item flaw, if it's heavy, you know, it's, you get minus to your speeds and stuff like that. Yeah, um, about, yeah, fragile. If it's fragile, obviously it should break more often. Yeah. But other than that, I, I'm really not a big fan of breaking stuff unless it's uh, appropriate for the game. It's a good... It's a good uh, Interesting. Oh, you made a roll, but you, you, you succeeded in a bad way, so you know, your your troll broke or something cool like that. Yeah. Um you do have the characters are allowed to do two actions around. Uh a major action and a minor action or two minor actions. Free actions are pretty much like talking, reaching for something, so on and so forth. That's an unopposed check. Uh major actions is like I've got a few up here, all out attacks, defend, melee attack, range attack. You know, and then minor actions are, you know, so say you want to attack somebody, you know, you say you melee attack with them, but then you want to move. Pretty standard type stuff. Yeah, same stuff. Range and melee, uh, it's got all that. You got to make sure you're within a certain range for stuff. So, I mean, it's not big of a deal. Um, Combat is deadly, which it should be. You're a human. Even though you are a bit above a human, they say. Because I don't know. Those... I'm playing a game that is very undeadly, and it's such a cool thing. It lets you, it encourages people to do cool stuff. But I understand having a deadly game. Yeah, I mean, well, it's 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 deadly for the fact that you're not a superhero, is what I'm saying. You're still a human being. You're not. You are above a normal human, but you're not someone that can just take a gunshot to the head and be like, eh, no, nah, no problem. I, I'll throw that off. So I had that steel plate implanted in my head. <laughs> um, another thing that happens is action stunts, which I think is a really cool section of this. Um, when you roll your 3d6, you get um, 
one of the dice is your action stunts, and you have to use them when you roll. You don't, you can't save them up or do something with them later on. You use them when you roll, uh, and it can add different things. Um, do an action stunt like some of them, um, general combat stunts, uh, regain fortune equal to your SP spent, um, use the cover to get more cover. Um, and so there's different things that you can use it for. Like you can knock someone out easier. Um, you can expose someone double team. There's, there's a, a bunch of different stunts that you can do. They have ones for chasing one for general combat, melee gun, grappling, you know, stunts for all different things. So it is kind of chart heavy in that aspect. It is a little chart heavy. It looks right there, um, but it seems like stuff that's very intuitive. So you could run it on the fly. Yeah, um, you break weapons and stuff. Uh, there are like that. You can also use the uh, SPs on infiltrations, exploring, different things like that. So it's not just. Combat. I love a game that allows non-combat stunts and stuff like that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, also, for social encounters, uh, you can do that. There's, there, of course, there's a very detailed social interaction of this game because that's what the expanse was. There was a lot of different social aspects. Social encounters, so you bring a shotgun, right? Yeah. Um, but there Don't are social. Don't bring a shotgun to your social encounter. <laughs> no, no. Bring a shotgun to your social encounter. Trust me, it helps them. <laughs> it helps them out a lot. Um, but, uh, there is downtime that, um, you can get and you can use your downtime to, of course, heal up, do things in between, level up, uh, start solving problems, researching, you know, things that could take a longer time to do. Um, of course, one of the coolest things you got vehicles, you do have spaceships. Um, I didn't read a whole lot on this because there was, uh, I, I just kind of went through it. I mean, yeah, it seems like since it's got realistic uh, physics for spaceships, yes. that's going to be very interesting to look at. Um, but I mean, I didn't pay too—I I didn't pay oh. too much to the fluff. I was kind of looking at the rules. For us to rate ratios and all. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Spaceships are going to be interesting. Distances between uh, locations in minutes, um, depending on you know how fast you go. Um. So, traveling locations, you know, depending on... Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's understandable for a game that's rooted in hard sci-fi like The Expanse is. It's understandable for it to have all these charts and stuff. Uh, but they do talk about communications. Uh, it's on that page right here. Communications. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on how far, far along it is, it could take 15 minutes for a message to get somewhere and get in, and then another 15 to get back to you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think that's cool for the simple fact that every space game you play, it's instantaneous communication. This isn't. Of course. Um, but, I mean, travel distance in hours, depending on what Gs you're using, ship size, um, weapons on the ships. Um, they give you, I think it's about 10 or so ships uh, to play with um, or more. Some of them are really, really huge, like the large frigate holds... 256 people or uh, yes. 2084 yeah, what you're really your PCs are going to have yeah but I mean they give you some there is space combat it's good to have the 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 stats for it so that like if your PCs are involved in that in some way but yeah it's not something the PCs are going to use themselves necessarily no uh, there is a very substantial flush section 
which is good for people that aren't used to it or haven't watched it, but there is a substantial fluff. Uh, there is one small mission in it. One thing I thought was kind of cool what they did. Um, you get a pull-out map that you can hang up that has all the average distances and stuff like that between each planet and such that you can pull out. Um, my thoughts on the Expanse role-playing game. It's a cool game. If you want to play a more realistic space game, this will be cool. The system's very easy. It's a realistic space game. Yes. A very realistic space game. You're not going to... They do have... Um, in the DMG, they do have... I can't remember any of the creatures uh, that were in there. But they are in here. Okay. Um, the rules on them and such. Um, there is one starter mission in here uh, to do certain things. But... Uh, that those creatures are in here. What are they called? I can't remember what they're called. Um, the rest of the guy was actively hostile during. That's not going to happen. Oh, I forgot to talk to you. There's also something the GM has to take care of called churns. C H U R N. Churn pulls. Uh, character success. You, you start at zero and add one to the churn pull each time one of the following event happens. Character succeeds on a test with a six on the drama die. The character essentially overcomes an advantage or uh, hazard. Uh, spends four more points on a stunt. Uh, spends a fortune point to alter a die roll. Uh, the characters complete a section. When they reach ten and twenty, you roll a d6 and consult the churn churn over table. And uh, so you roll it on a ten. If you roll a 1 through 3, a minor effect happens. A minor effect could be a character automatic fails a test. A new oh, hazard appears. It's really shit. Um, and I, it, the, I, I was kind of hesitant on this. Because I was like, there, you can screw people over. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, you do that shit anyways as a GM. You, you yeah. have minor... If they didn't describe the way they're doing it the right way, sometimes you just have minor problems happen because the way this succeeded because of what they described i mean that should be part of your gming i don't need a a book to mechanically tell me how to do that shit no but the reason why why they say this is unexpected shit happens and this is how you can make it happen Um, that's game of thrones bullshit you don't need that in the game but i mean for people that are used to that they can have it uh, I think it's an interesting idea, but you want to be careful with this because if the characters are already fucked, don't fuck them even more. I feel like there'd be a better sac- uh, better section on GMing that you would get from a generic GMing book, but there's so few of them that you can find easily anymore to put it in the book of like, hey, if your PCs are doing too good, and once in a while you need to throw an extra you know thing yeah. in their way to make them remember that it's not all you know them just succeeding like absolute badasses this is the real world ish yeah well like one of the things that they say in there is plan ahead for a churn so it kind of happens at the appropriate time that it's not just a random bullshit thing to to go on a two second rant i mean it's like the opposite of what they said about fourth issue in dnd like there's enough rules of role playing in there this is adding mechanical rules to shit that role that gm should know that you could explain in a couple in a paragraph or two, you don't need to have a fucking mechanical rule following it. That's just kind of bullshit. But I'm slightly inebriated. That's just my opinion. <laughs> um, but if you're looking for, and I want to say it's generic, if you're looking for a realistic space game, that's great. It's mm-hmm. good. Um, I do see some issues with it. 
Uh, so if someone wants to play a politician, but everybody else kind of wants to play spacefarers, it could be an issue because you're flipping back and forth. You're well, going to want to have a party. That's, I mean, that's pretty fair. That's jamming on a one. You want yeah. your people all together. Yes. And the politician wants to be out with the, uh, the space ring people, a la a, uh, the companion from Firefly, by all means. Yes. Benara, that's your name. Uh, but I would do it if, if I were going to run it and somebody said they wanted to run it, I would do like a unit of Marines and, you know, work on that. Cause you could have a Marine that's a combat guy, a Marine that's a, you know, the officer, which it has a more political feel to it. And so they all can kind of be together and all do the things. I, I, I like the flavor of the, uh, the Rossi, the whole idea that I liked about it was there were all these people from just these disparate backgrounds all just thrown together here and and they all have things that come in handy at key points and if you're a gm you should be able to to get the story going so that that different people are able to utilize their special abilities yeah and and a military campaign is great for new players because you may not know who's going to rise up to lead them uh, but after you have experienced players, I think the military campaign is not necessarily the best way forward. No, but I mean, I could see the difficulty in having one person that is a politician on Earth and that's all they do is they're just on Earth. That's, that's not realistic in a campaign. Correct. Oh, yeah. If you're if you're looking to be... That's like the person who uh, who you, has the all the horse skills and everything and has a horse and then you go into the dungeons and the horse is never seen again. Hey. Our driver does well in our other campaign, in my uh, Mediocre Trouble campaign. But but I can see people wanting to create the TV show. And they're going, I want to play that politician that plays all the background stuff. Well, everybody else is going to be riding in a spaceship. Yeah. That's a campaign. It, that becomes part of the GM's elevator pitch. Like, all right, this campaign, we're going to do a correct. political campaign set on Earth. There's going to be intrigue and stuff. So make your character ideas based off of that. Correct. You, you have to do yeah. a good setup for this um, type of thing. Or it'll do, like I said, it, it wouldn't work to have one person sit on Earth and everybody else is spacefaring around the galaxy no, doing stuff. Well, that will work as long as the one person is, like, remote. Like, you know, that guy who's out of town, you know, lives out of town. That's You're going to have to pre-plan everything out if you want to do that. Everybody's going to have to talk about it and go, guys, I can only play once a month. Can I play that politician? That only does something every once in a while. Mode, or I want to be involved with you guys, but I, you know, I live in the other state. Yes. Now, let's do something cool with that. That can be really awesome, actually, yeah. as a matter of fact. But as far as people in person with you, assuming you're playing in person, not over Skype, um, they should all be the same type, generally, whether you're man of action or man of politics, or in the same area, all on Earth, all on Mars, all on, you know, all on the belt. We're all in the ship going around adventuring. Correct. I'm just saying, you're going to have to plan. Talk to your players before you do it. Because if you want to play the TV show, you're going to have to plan that out. Yes. Um, the next one I'm going to do, Phoenix Dawn Command. Kathy has actually introduced me to this when I first heard about it. And um, this game is really freaking cool. Um, comes in this nice box. Uh, 50 bucks, I think is what they're selling it for. Um, and you get, uh, little punch out tokens for health and status effects and other different things to help you out. 
This is a role-playing game, not a board game, right? Correct. It is a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll understand why in just a minute. You get a bunch of terror-sized cards. I'm going to move the box out of the way. And you get tarot, one book. Tarot cards? They are tarot cards. Um, because the game is not played with dice at all. Everything is played with cards. Um, and certain things are different things. Um, but, ah, the game is played when you have a deck of cards. Depending on what your class is, per se, you get, and your level, you get a set of cards. You start off with five, I believe. And if you want to do something in the game, you have to play the cards in your hand to do the things that you want to do. So say you want to punch somebody. You have to lay down a stretch of cards of what you want to do. You only get to refresh your hand at the end of your turn or at the end of an action. Depending on if you're in combat or not in combat. Um, And depending on your class depends on what your cards do and how you can use them per suit. Uh, Because there are certain suits. Um, It's a role-playing game? That sounds awfully like a board game. Yes, it is a role-playing game, 100%, because if you don't describe what you're doing in this game, you will not live in this game. Um, That's you, let me finish. Ill-advised. In this game, it is about story. It is about role-playing, 100%. If you say that you're going to walk up and punch a guy in the face, okay, you lay down your cards and see if you pass the skill or not. Done. If you say that you're going to pick up a chair, jump off a table and smash him in the face with it, you get bonuses to it. If you describe what you're going to do besides a simple walk up and punch him in the face, you get bonuses. But before any of all this is going, the game is built around the concept that you are a badass hero. You're a character that is di- you're a person that has died in the world, has been reborn as a phoenix. And your job is to help save the world. Um, how you died it depends on what you are, but it's kind of the character creation process. Um, because you come back, like one of the one of the concepts to say is you were not fast enough to save a friend because you weren't you know running quick enough or whatever, and so you're reborn as a phoenix that uh, has speed abilities. Not that you have to be, that's just a concept of how it, how, why you were reborn. You are supposed to die in this game. You have the ability to die seven times. On your seventh death, you're gone completely. The only way that you can level in this game is by dying. And you can do it either in-game or in downtime. They suggest doing it in-game because you are able to uh, get back in quicker and it makes better sense because you have to work as a team in this game. This is one of the downfalls of it too um, that I've been debating on the good and bad of it. Um, The concept is really cool. The characters are pretty much, I can't remember the name of the game. It's a White Wolf game. Uh, Everybody are like gods. Um, Um. Yeah, I know. We're Exalted or something. Exalted. It reminds me a lot of Exalted. Um, You are pretty much unaffected by poisons, you know, basic things that can hurt normal humans. 
anything that can kill a normal human pretty much only like damages you. Um, you're expected to be heroic. You're expected to put yourself in danger. You're expected to go out and fight people or fight the dread or whatever the, the thing is that you're fighting and sacrifice yourself. You are the champion for the people. Um, the game, for the most part, um, how is it? your deck of cards, you play them. You only get five. So say you're just going to be researching something. You use your cards to, make sure, to see if you want to do it. Make sure you have the right suits. Get your number. You beat the target number. You get the information. You redraw back up to five. When you get done with your deck, you reshuffle your deck and start back over. Combat is a bit different. In combat, you have your five sets of cards. And say the bad guy goes before you. You say he's going to attack. Uh, you don't tell your... The storyteller doesn't tell the number. Um, and so they try... But you tell... You describe how powerful the attack is. Whether it's like, oh, he makes a lazily attack for you. Or he puts his full swing into it. Um, and it kind of you're supposed to kind of give them an idea of how powerful or how difficult or how much you should try to put into it without giving them a number. Don't try to give them oh you need to, you need to make a, a ten set or you're just going to get hit. Um, so you play your cards. If you make the defensive move, you're good. But you don't draw back up. You only draw back up after your turn. So if you can take damage and you know you can soak the damage and not have to worry about it, don't play some defensive stuff. But if you are someone that can't take a lot of damage, you want to be very defensive. See, that's some power game shit right there. That's some... some well, let, let me, let me let, John, let me finish. Let me finish, okay? Because this is all plays into it. If you play a character that is like one of the priests... You're going to want to try to stay alive, of course. But the priests aren't just healers. The priests take the damage of other players and uses it to their advantage to fuel their abilities to help the other players get better. Um, so, for example, John, I'm going to come up and swing and try to hit you with a sword. You can go, well, do I want to take this hit? Do I not want to take this hit? I'm going to try to lazily block it. You fail. You use three of your cards. You hold two cards in your hand. Or you say you just use two cards and hope that it was a lazy hit. You have three cards in your hand. Comes back to your turn. You now get to attack. I don't tell you whether the score. I don't tell you what you need to hit me. You use the three cards in your hand. And then you try to hit me. Then you can draw back up to your five. Um, but everything is done with a descriptive nature. If you don't, if you say I'm going to block. You're not going to get anything out of it. If you say that, hey, I'm going to... Swing off a chandelier, jump down, stab him in the face with a bar stool and blah, 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 blah. The storyteller is supposed to reward you, draw another card. And you can use that in, immediately into your deck of what you plan on doing. Because if you fail, it's okay to fail. Because you want to die. That's the only way that you can get more powerful. You are supposed to put your life at risk for everything. You are not supposed to be, ooh, don't touch me. You are supposed to be putting your life in danger all the time. But here's one of the things I don't, and I won't say I don't like it, it kind of pigeonholes. 
everybody's good at something. Not everybody's good at everything. But that's, that's a good role playing thing. It, it is a good role playing thing, but it kind of pigeonholes some people, and it, it, it'll come into effect when I just start talking about something. Um, okay. It's meant for a storyteller and for their players. You have to have the cards for each player. That's one of my big things, and you can't purchase new decks right now. Um, well, to buy a fifteen dollars box set, you get four. If you want to have more than four players, you have you you can have. Yeah. Players worth out of the box set. Yeah, you you get four players worth, but if you want to add a fifth or a sixth, you have to find a way to get more terror cards or whatever cards there, whatever you want to call them. Um, there is some really cool things. All the classes are very very neat. Um, your character doesn't worry about equipment because every time you die, your body turns to ash, your armor comes back, which armor doesn't matter. You can look any way you want. It doesn't matter. But you come back wearing whatever clothes that you had. And when you get to level 2, you have a special item that gives you bonuses. Um, but they have what's called Ares. Uh, I don't even remember pronouncing that correct. Um, everything's based off of the Phoenix. It's just their stick thing. You're part of a wing. Your group is part of a wing. And you can be instantly teleported to certain castles within the world to take on missions. So, say, John, you die because you blocked this giant blast of lightning bolt from hitting, you know, this family. Your body turns to ash. Everything turns to ash. You get your ember goes back to the main temple and you can teleport back within a certain amount of time frame has to pass. You could not you come back if you don't want to at all. Like, I don't want to play this character anymore. He sucks. And you can just do whatever. But you resurrect and you can get teleported back. Now, the distance between where you teleport back and where the party is, that could be the issue of getting back in. Um, you can die from direct damage or you can die from losing Amber. I think it's what it's called, Amber. Because uh, you can use these pools, these... Um, Sparks, excuse me, not Amber. Sparks to bump up your abilities or to buy a plus one, plus two, or whatever to whatever you're doing. So you're like, uh, I'm not going to be really getting this attack in. Uh, I'm going to pay some uh, some sparks to make sure I do it. You do it, you do it. But when you run out of sparks, you also die because that's kind of your fuel. Uh, you do gain health back. Um, every morning, and you also gain sparks back every morning. Depending on what your level, depends on how much you get back. Um, there's different... The classes are all different. Their classes are really cool. Um, archetypes type thing. Uh, the Devoted um, are the healers. They're able... They're kind of like... I want to say party leaders, but they can help your... They're very much a team player. Um... They keep everybody alive. They can help make them grow. They focus on having everybody work together. Um, you got guys that are like tanks. You got guys that are like fighters and warriors. And you've got, you know, rogues and stealths and all that type of thing in its generic sense. But everybody has to play together. Um, the world as you know it pretty much is divided up into... One section is like the Norse god is like a Viking territory. One's like a Roman Empire, 
you know, different types of things like that. The overall story is everybody is trying to stay alive because this new, and I don't want to say new, this enemy has been starting to take over. And they're like undead hordes, demons, you know, the, the, the dread evil stuff that's happening in the game. Um, and you're sent on missions. So the main place where all the phoenixes live, they say, hey, we found out that this uh, bone horde is coming through this town. We need you to go take care of it. You go take care of it. Um, the fallen is what some of them are called. And that's what you do. Um, you are sent out because you're kind of like the superheroes of the world. You can pick up trees and throw trees at people. You can, you know, fight 40 guys at a time type thing because you are not just an average human. Um, the way damage is done is pretty interesting. Um, so you have a health pool of like 10 threes. So you have four piles of three. When you do damage, you if you don't do over the three, nothing happens. So say you do seven points of damage. You take away two threes, and that last one is just floated away and doesn't do any extra damage on you. Uh, it's kind of weird, um, but your health pool is not a static number as in I have ten hit points. You have like, I have three health pools with three damage in each health pool. And to do damage, you have to do over that that number over to remove one of your tokens um so it's kind of weird and different um i actually really like this system it's different it's unique the world is really cool the characters are pretty neat the other things that happen in it are really good but it, it stresses on people that you have to do i don't want to say you have to do but it's better to role play than just say, I'm going to punch him and roll the dice. Um, there are story elements that you use where you, uh, you have what's called a torch. And it's just a card with markings on it where you can use elements on the story to help you do things like uh, a fireplace. If you call it fireplace, they give an example of a weapon rack. I'm going to take the weapon rack and slam the weapon rack down on somebody. Okay, you get bonuses for doing that because it's part of something within the story. So just not saying you're going to punch somebody is not going to help you out. Doing something within the element helps you out. So you know, I actually play a system that does that also where they say you should get penalties if someone says just I shoot them or I punch them. And that's actually a much better way of doing it that, than this. I, I will say by the way you described it, uh, I would not play this game. I am sorry you wasted $50 <laughs> on this game. It does not sound good at all. It sounds like a great off-the-wall concept that's going to have some people who really love it. I hope you guys love it, and I want you guys to love it. But to the average player, it's a lot of weird stuff, and I think they just went too far with it. Well, I am going I, – I recruited a bunch of my um, – I recruited my local players uh, for my store to mm -hmm. ask them if they would test it out because I, I like the story – I think it's got some cool concepts. It whether does. it it's works, got some cool concepts, but it sounds like it just went a little too nutty. Whether it works out, I need to see that. Yeah, uh, and that—that's what I'm going to do. I like you can't judge a game by reading. You got to play it. Yes. You got to get there yes. and do it. When did you get that? But I would say by the by the elevator pitch you gave me, I 
literally stopped caring 10 minutes ago and I would not play this game. It doesn't sound interesting. It sounds like there's other games that could do similar in a more interesting way. That's reason why it kind of reminded me of Exalted with the way it's played. You can be a badass and not have to worry about it. Yeah, but I think there's better ways of doing it. I mean, they, they definitely... I think I think their biggest problem is they put all their ideas in one bucket and said, let's just fucking make everything crazy at once. <laughs> and that is not the way to do it. You make one crazy thing. Well, so far... They skipped the whole keep it simple stupid and went, make it as complicated as possible. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's complicated. I think it's just different. And <laughs> I want, I'm going to see. I'm definitely going to see. I've already got three guys recruited. I can get a fourth, no problem. And we're going to play the first mission and see how we like it and see if the concept works. Because that's where it's going to be, if it's going to work or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, like I said, so every game out there has someone who's going to love it. It sounds like just that niche, that sort of like amber, that niche that like someone's going to love that game. Yeah. But it's not for everyone. No, I, I could see how some people don't like the randomness of the cards or the ability to use their cards or the ability to get the numbers. It just, it just feels wrong. It's like... You don't necessarily always have a chip in a chair. When you're rolling dice, you always have a chip in a chair, and that makes PCs feel so damn powerful. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I can hit this guy, but I'm rolling dice, so there's just a chance that I might hit that son of a bitch. Well, there, there, there's also other things that go with the cards, like you have talents that well, you can use to help shit that. cards in your hand. You're like, I got shit cards. This is not going to work, and that makes someone feel terrible. Yeah. Love that feeling of potential. Like, I got this D20 in my hand. It can roll a 1, or it could roll a 20, and I could do some shit. That, that's one of the things that I was, I was, one of my concerns is that if you constantly draw shitty hands, you're just, you're just not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, or, or you just have to think really creatively about how to talk your way through those cards to make something happen. You can't rely on the GM to talk your <laughs> way through everything because at some point GM's going to be like, no, you already talked your way through three things. Not thinking that you just got a shit hand for the fifth time in a row. You have to have a system that's robust enough to give the pieces a chance, despite of a GM going, Jesus Christ, you just talked right through three things. I need you not to be the mad man this time. <laughs> but you're like, I'm just trying to do something with this shit hands I get. Yeah, I, th that's one of the things I was, uh, one of my concerns as a, as a storyteller is if you've got really crappy hands, how are you going to be able to do anything? Because yeah. it's going to be like, okay, I can, I, I can bullshit my way into getting another card. But how many times can I bullshit to get another card? Yeah. 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 But, if you're drawing shit hands, is is good, but it's not like the end all be all. It's like, well, I just drew another shit card. Great. <laughs> well, you know, you know what's in your deck. So, because you actually build your deck, you get like two twos, two threes, two fours, and ones that are based on your class. It just sounds like they're just combining different games. Yeah, they, they maybe too many games together. Uh, oh. I'm going to test it out. Oops. I'm going to try to record it if the guys will let me. Uh, yeah. And we'll see how it is. I like the concept. I like the world. I'll tell you right now. I read all the fluff in the world. I really like the world. It's really cool. Uh, it's really neat. I like the concept. I like uh, the way the characters... I like that they want the characters to be heroic. They want the characters to work as a team and fight and stuff like that. It may That's be too... Game. Do what? Like, I'll be honest, that's a role-playing game. I, ideally, yeah, your group is going to be those people, even if they, uh, even already, if, like, uh, our group, they kind of all go their separate ways and do stupid shit, you know, individually. <laughs> we do set, come together when 
when the chips are down, you know, we're there for yeah. each other. That, well, that's, that's why it's cool in every role-playing game. You're supposed to be heroic. Yes. Or, you know, whatever it is, fulfilling your deeds. And you know that you need teamwork to take down the mean stuff. I mean, that's not a new concept. And you're well, all willing to go down in a blaze of glory. Goddamn right. Yeah. And this one, it is actually okay to die. Because you get more powerful when you die, which I think is a good thing. Because a lot of you are like, I don't want to die because I spent, you know, five weeks working on it. I'm like, but you're a hero. You're supposed to die. Doesn't mean, you know, you should be space cowed, but you should but do something heroic took, with it. They took the meaning out of it. A heroic death is supposed to mean something. They took the meaning out of it. You're leveling up becomes a tactical maneuver. That is what we call a tactical respawn. In the <laughs> it's, like in, it's like in Zombie Side when I sacrifice myself... Uh, because it doesn't say in our mission objective that all of the survivors have to be alive at the end of the game. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm going to lure these guys over here and I'm going to sacrifice myself so that you guys can get to the, you know, the exit and complete the mission. Which, well, I mean, it's a valid strategy. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my concerns, too, is someone going, I'm just going to die. All right, I'm on my, you know, fifth death. I'm going to hold off on dying. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, be, I, I, I can see some not, people trying to power game that. That's not good. No, it's I mean, not. Yeah, so I'm interested to hear how it comes, but it does seem like they're trying too much all at once. Yeah, it's a whole new game system. I like, I like where they're going. Um, I like the concept. Um, I like the world. Uh, I like the monsters because I've read quite a few. Uh, I like the background. I like how it's going. I'm just not 100% sold on the card system yet. We will be interested in uh, in your review after playing. Which is definitely going to come up. Um, I've already got, like I said, I, got, I can get a fourth person. It's not a problem. Uh, um, I hope you prove me wrong. I'm not expecting you to prove me wrong, but I'm hoping you do. Yeah. I hope I am too because I, I like it. I think it's a really cool system. Excuse me. But it's going to be whether it works or not. Because there's some game systems like, this is really cool. This system sucks. One of my favorite that I say that with Shadowrun. Shadowrun. We'll see how Shadowrun comes because Banyan's going to get Shadowrun 6E when he when he gets a chance. Is it 6E? Jesus Christ, it's 6th edition. I am so envious. I loved Shadowrun in the 90s. See, love I, I love Shadowrun. I just hate the system because I don't want to be rolling 60 six sided dice to you know open a door. I don't even care. <laughs> don't play champions ever. Oh no, I, I I love champions as a system. I love champions as a game. I don't like I don't like the system. Also, I feel like it's the GM's discretion to make you roll sixty six to yeah. open a door. I'm just saying that you know to do anything. You're like I'm rolling sixteen d sixes to see if I'm just like. Do we really need that many? But yeah, champion same way and where I put bullets to the exact same holes I had already shot just to make it <laughs> intimidating. And I love rolling sixteen dice to make sure that shit happens. But we'll see. Uh like I said, That's uh, heroic. I'm Badass. cautiously optimistic. I'm still not hundred percent sold on the card system, but I want to see it in action. Yes. Uh because I, I with the players I have, they're not gonna be upset because this is we're going to be testing out the first mission um and we'll give a good review on how it is because they're all experienced role players so they'll be able to go yeah this system works or yeah it needs a bit tweak because xyz or no even though we i had a bad hand i was able to work out what i needed we'll have to see 
Yeah. <laughs> let's let's get on that then. Hold on. <laughs> Kill half of it with this game. That better be good, or I'm going to retroactively be angry. Uh, how many things do you ever talk about? Oh, I watched oh, a movie. Okay, Kathy, Kathy you go movie. first. <laughs> movie watching, Kathy, go first. You know how rare it is that that I actually watch something, and uh, and I was at Jen's house and we watched Get Out. Okay, okay. Uh, I didn't want to see that. That's the uh, that's the horror movie that was directed by Jordan Peele, and I feel like I remember critics or people saying it wasn't good. Oh my god, it was amazing! I was so Chris creeped out. Thought it was good. I was creeped out after I got home. I was still creeped out, and that's and that's the same. Stepford Wives, though, they're using black people, right? It was. I, I did think Stepford Wives. It was a weird take on it. It was a different thing, but it was. Yeah, there was a bit of a similarity. Yeah, it wasn't the wives. It was. It was these black people, and these. It was. It was basically slavery. Just yeah. in a little bit of a different form, but there were a lot of things going on that were just—they uh, just did creepy so well in so many different forms. Like the the guy gets to the place, and you know he sees the the groundskeeper, and the groundskeeper's you know just got this look on his face, not normal, you know. Just everybody he interacts with is just slightly off you don't know why you just you get that it's just slightly off you're not sure what's going to happen with it but i did kind of guess early on that they were taking like the the brains of of these white people and putting them in these black people oh spoiler by the way <laughs> The movie's old enough, I don't even know about spoilers. It's, and I think yeah, it's, it's, a, pretty... it's, it's a couple years old now. Um, but yeah, it was it was creepy, and it was good, and I liked it. And I would actually watch it again, which said something. I heard that the critics didn't like it as much, but most everybody else thought it was really freaking cool. My favorite character, my favorite character was actually Rod. Uh, the main character's friend Rod, who worked for uh, the TSA, and uh, he was also the hero for me. Oh, what do you give it for uh, space herpes? I give it zero space herpes. It was amazing. Oh, I, I'll, I'll watch it again just so that Jim can watch it with me. <laughs> Sounds good. So that's my, yeah, that's moving on. We got 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gonzo couldn't remember his, the beginning of the, beginning I do of the have, I do have one, but I mean, <laughs> there was, there was a couple, but I was, was like, uh, cause I'm, I, I did rewatch Avengers Endgame because I got the Blu-ray. Uh, do what? So if that's out, I need to purchase it. Yeah. Uh, still great and amazing. Still didn't feel like, you know, three three plus hours. Um, I only stopped it once to uh, go up and get some food so I could watch and eat at the same time. But um, I did see deleted scenes, and they were nothing to, to write home about. Yeah. I, I will take that back. They're nothing to write home about, but I'm glad that one of the scenes wasn't in there. 
the deleted scenes, uh, if you haven't seen it, tough. We're going to spoil it for you. Um, when Tony dies, um, a bunch of the superheroes kneel in front of him. Yeah, that was not necessary. There he ripped your heart out. Though. Yeah. It, it, it felt corny, too. Yeah, it was a little much. Like, yeah. if they had had already, like, the Peter and and, uh, and Pepper there, it would have been good. But with Peter and Pepper there, it was too much. Yeah, it, it just didn't feel right. didn't fit. So, yeah. didn't care. I was like, eh. Everything else was kind of just kind of filler. And I can see why it wasn't in there. And I'm glad they didn't include the kneeling scene. It would have it, it just didn't the, feel right. None of them were necessary. It's one yeah. of those cases where the deleted scenes were not needed at all. No. Um, um, so, no issues there. It was just good fun. I watched a double feature. It was a double DVD with the Magnet 7, the most recent one, and Silverado on it. One of those is my favorite western of all time. The other one's just a solid action flick. I love Silverado. Well, and the Magnificent, the original Magnificent 7. No, it's the remake from uh, within the Washington. That's what I'm going to talk the most about, because Silverado is also my favorite western ever, and is great. I mean, zero. I'm pretty sure that's kind of how we bonded between that and Buckaroo Bonsai. Goddamn right. Those are great movies. <laughs> and sort of, Silverado sort of shows the problem with Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven, it's a remake uh, directed by Anton Fuqua, starring Denzel Washington, has a all-star cast, and the cast is all great in it. No one is a weak point in that movie. The weak point is actually with how they decide to make the movie. This is a rare movie that is less than some of its parts. By the some of its parts, it should be an absolute zero space herpes. It should be a fucking instant great, 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 great Western. But it's not. Because they don't do enough with what they have. It's like they wanted to remake Magnificent 7 and they didn't want to go too deep into it. There's only two characters who have any real, real development backstory, and that is Denzel Washington's character, and it's unnecessary, where he has uh, the main villain wronged him in the past, and that sort of takes away from him. The thing about Chris in the first minute of the seven is he's doing it because he's just a good guy, and this is wrong, and he needs to stand up for it. Not because the bad guy killed his sister and his family in the past. That cheapens the movie a lot. It cheapens. It may make sense why he would be doing all he is doing, but it cheapens the, the theme of the movie. It makes the hero less heroic and more a vengeance guy. And Ethan Hawke, who plays Goodnight Herbershaw, who is great and does a great thing, he's got PTSD. It's affecting him. You can tell. He's a Civil War veteran. It's affecting him. But he overcomes it and comes back to help his friends. And they could have really, they could have really made all these characters shine for the most part. Um, Chris Evans is way too Chris Evans in this movie. And I think that's going to be a problem with his career going forward. <laughs> I don't know if he can act besides being Chris Evans. No. I haven't seen the two Jurassic Park movies he's in, but I imagine he's still Chris Evans in those. It's really like what Ryan Reynolds has become. And Ryan Reynolds is sort of like that quirky, almost Deadpool all the time now. And it's going to bother me as he goes on because it hurts his career. He can do so much more. He's got talent. I don't know if Chris Evans has other talent. I assume he does. But he's too Chris Evans in this movie. The rest of the characters, they have their reasons to be there, but they're not all very well defined or good. But overall, the characters keep you in it. They have a little bit of bonding. Not as much lighthearted bonding as it should be. It should have more lighthearted bonding. 
Um, but then they, it is basically just an action movie. It has two amazing action set pieces and a bunch of solid action in between and some okay moments. But literally, if it's not Ethan Hawke or Denzel Washington, you're really wasting this crew on it. Billy Rocks, played by Young Hoon Lee, is great. But you don't get any backstory of why he's hanging out with uh, Good Night Robichaud, Ethan Hawke's character. Uh, as I said, Chris Evans and Chris Evans, the uh, Mexican guy whose name I don't remember. You could have done more with him. Like, the second Magnificent Seven movie, The Return of Magnificent Seven, did so much more with the bandit in that movie than they did with this, and that movie was in, like, 40 years ago. How can you not even get to the level of a movie that was 40 years ago in a modern movie? Come on, guys. Try it a little bit. But the two action set pieces are fucking awesome. It is still a good movie, but it's not a flawless movie because of all of these little things they did. Um, I would say it is what I like to call a clip movie. You will occasionally watch the first gunfight between the Seven and the bad guys in the town. It is great. It's a good 10-minute or so clip. You're just like, this is awesome. And then when you watch the full movie, you're watching it to get the whole effect and to get the long gunfight, which is long. They make the bad guys super scummy and terrible. Um, well, I don't necessarily disagree that this is maybe a realistic sort of take on the West, because, let's be honest, we don't cover the robber barons of the pro-Civil War as well as we should in history. It is very scummy and bad and dark, and it's a movie that should be a little bit more lighthearted. These are guys who are giving their life, because, spoiler, most of them die. It's maybe seven, that's not much of a spoiler if you've seen any of them from... The Seven Samurai to Battle Beyond the Stars or anything in between. You know that most of them give their life. For a town, there should be more lightheartedness between them. It should not be as heavy and and dark as it is all the time. You need to have a little more. But it's worth watching. I'm going to give it another one of those one, one and a half space herpes, and I really argue terribly for it, against that. But the it's one of those movies that could have been perfect, but it, it just did too much wrong. <laughs> Not until you better take it, because I am so integrated. Uh, I have one more, and it is a new show uh, that is on Netflix called Cannon Busters. It is oh. an anime. I I listened with bated breath. I saw the intro, and it looked interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Cannon Busters is a new anime by uh, Netflix. It is. How can I put it? It's kind of like uh, Trigun meets, um, oh crap, it was right on the tip of my tongue and I just lost it, um, Fooly Cooly, um, and Desert Punk, and Goran Logan, um, how do you pronounce it? Yeah, it but is, you put CL in there. Do what? You put FLCO on there, that makes me scared. Well, it, the way the anime style is and the way it happens, there's a lot of silly, weird stuff that goes on. It's not bad. I, 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 right now, it doesn't have a negative rating or a bad rating or anything like right now because I haven't finished the entire season. What I've seen so far, I've liked. Um, it kind of also kind of reminds me of like a Samurai Champloo or Cowboy Bebop uh, in a way style uh, with a little bit more lightheartedness and less seriousness. Um it's interesting so far. There's a kind of kind of different things going on. Um, it has a lot of violence in it. <laughs> uh, a lot of things are blown up. 
the story is these two people are looking for this uh, wanted poster guy, and this guy is supposed to help them find this place uh, where this prince is at. Um, but when the guy dies, he comes back alive. He like regenerates and so on and so forth. Um, so it's kind of this weird circle that they go around. They get in, into issues, and he dies a lot. Um, but it's 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 not bad. It's okay so far. I'm not having a big problem with it. Um, uh, only about three or four episodes in, so we'll have to they wait put and see that on DVD cover. It's okay so far. Yeah. Guns for more than dice. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not going to give a rating with it until I finish the entire first season. Um, I'm enjoying it, if that matters. So we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Um, but if you like, if you like the style of uh, the ones I mentioned earlier, give it a section. It's on Netflix. It's free, so I mean, can't really argue, you know, too much about it. It's free via Netflix, but yeah. so <laughs> other than that, um, I don't have anything else. John, do you have anything else? I can do it real quick. I actually watched the first episode, the uh, pilot episode of NCIS today. And no, it's not like it's the first time I've seen it. It's not the second time I've seen it. <laughs> but it is still pretty good and interesting to see the beginning of a series that I actually love. Uh, and see how they, the characters change from the pilot through the actual series. Because um, the pilot is all the characters. And Gibbs is a little more interesting as he is the movie buff, not Dinozo. But I think that was a good touch taking it off of Gibbs and giving it to Nozo because it made Gibbs' character a little odd at points. But still good. I also love how they have uh, Agent Fornell, for those of you who know, the FBI uh, head who's often dealing with uh, Gibbs. Starts off in that first episode and recurs many times in the series, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. I love it when series get people from older episodes to come back and reprise their roles rather than I mean, writing them off and changing characters, none of us would know just necessarily. But he comes back, excuse me, several times during the series, and it's very cool. Um, I'm going to give it, uh, you know, one uh, space therapy because it's a little early and you, you see a couple problems. They don't have the whole team there yet. I feel like NCS doesn't really hit it until they get Kate in and they start really getting the team, or when later when they get Ziva and... Uh, McGee and they see a better team, but uh, I enjoy it. It's sort of a uh, CSI made perfect because I like CSI, but making it a little more action oriented makes it a better series. I really enjoyed those early seasons of NCIS. I haven't watched it in quite a few oh. years. I haven't watched it since Dinozo left. I haven't watched well. and even before that. Before I left, yeah. Um, shortly into the new directors, the uh, Vance's. Uh, Tenure, I left, but I mean, I'm interested to see it. We'll see if I get a chance to watch more of it. There's all those things. It's like easy disposable cinema while you're watching, uh, while you're eating dinner. Uh huh. In this case, lunch. Um, it's good to watch it once in a while. I'll just say, like, oh, cool. You know, I'll watch TV series. Yeah, as in the world, you can just watch it, pick it up anywhere, and just watch the episodes. As soon as you know who, where it is, like it was beyond where I was. They did a good job of making like the season have a storyline, but there was still episodic in there, and yeah. I like. And I love Gibbs. Gibbs is a great character. Joe's a great character. Um, honestly, I, I like where they went with the series. Uh, it's uh, very amusing. I, I hope to watch more of it. We'll see sort of happens. I, I sort of watch on a whim because some clips had come up on YouTube. But I'm like, I want to watch an episode. And I'm like, well, well sure, let's start at the beginning. I don't remember where I left the last time. Was that, Kathy? 
Yeah, start at the beginning. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, with Magnum. Uh, I think, honestly, like, Magnum's a little old to continue with because, I mean, it's, what, three-some years old at this point? A little too dated. A little too dated. You want to take a little more modern. It's easier to pick those up and drop those off. And it's one of those series you can do that with, like Xander Willard said. So I do enjoy doing that. And honestly, personal interest is sort of, I've lost how interest in it. <laughs> All right. That, that's it, guys. No, you're not, John. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for I'm listening. John. No, I'm okay. John. No, I'm John. I'm Kathy. I guess I'll be Gonzo again. Thanks for joining us, guys. Okay. Bye. I'm John. Xander's Ron. <laughs>